Fortunately, there's good news that I'll deliver. Before we get into the video, we'd like to announce that we have our very first sponsor, Zolandas. Zolandas offers brinefield services and has the technology to speed up understanding of your lithium resources. We'll tell you more about them later, but until then, check out Zolandas.com. All right, great. Uh, I was here in November. A lot more excitement with higher lithium prices, but uh, fortunately there's good news that I'll deliver despite uh, the recent pullback. So I've entitled uh, this presentation today, the 2023 Q1 destocking doesn't change the shortage thesis, and I'll explain that along the way. So if we have a look at what happened since I was here last, we didn't have the last quarter numbers yet, but 2022's final supply shortage was greater than what our forecast that ended up in the 130 to 150,000 tons LCE versus the 90. Um, the 2023 supply shortage forecast has been reduced. I'm now down probably maybe 20 to 40. I've got 20 to 30 as you've had excess cathode and battery inventories from 2022 that have been drawn down in the first quarter and a little bit now in the second quarter. One of the things to note is in the first quarter of this year, you look at the spodumen concentrate grades from most of the producers and there's been deflation. Those are going down. Um, costs up and the 2023 production ramp-ups are below forecasts. Um, Africa is the unknown. I'll speak a little bit about that. But um, given the price at which lithium got to and spodumen got to at the end of last year, everyone was, was having a crack and it's, it's uh, triggered some new supplier that, that will no doubt peter off. If you look at EV sales for 2023, they're on track for 14 million units. BYD and Tesla are absolutely killing it, especially BYD. They're dominating the market. And the other thing keeps getting underappreciated is battery energy storage. That's going to grow by 100% this year. If you have an interest in that, we interviewed Row Motion. That will be up on our Rockstock um, YouTube channel. Uh, and you can have a look, but that number really is too low in analyst forecast, and we would say you need to focus on that. As far as we're concerned, the demand forecast for 2023 hasn't changed, and the supply forecasts, possible downgrade even in supply from ex-China, that could be a reaction to low prices in Q1, but at the moment they're running light. China probably looking neutral, given domestic lipidolite and spodumin and then what they import. And then Africa, the DSO and, and lipidolite is, is an upside risk, um, but that always comes with some ESG issues and with quality, we shall see an M&A activity, uh, large resource assets, anything sort of 50, 100 million tons and higher is, is seeing massive demand. And, and an example of that is the Liontown bid from Albemarle effectively hostile that's been turned down just cutting in to update you about a market update with chris evans of winsome resources happening on tuesday the 13th of june you can sign up for the webinar at the link in the description 
What do I mean by concentrate deflation? It's really only green bushes that's holding now. When everyone thinks of 6% spodumin, that's not the case anymore. It's only green bushes, Wajina, Pilbara, Mount Catlin, and the real laggard, which was a surprise even to me, was Mount Marion was at 3.8. So that's what we're seeing, which is quite something. Um, uh, and what that means, just uh, touching on that, is if you're getting grades well below six, then your conversion ratios, your estimates of how many tons of spodumin you need for a ton of lithium chemicals, up you go. So um, that's something that needs to be adjusted in the model. So where were we? I've left uh, my November chart and just overlaid on that with the red dashed boxes where I am now versus where I was, as I mentioned, 2022 came in uh, a lot bigger in the deficit that triggered some supply. We saw uh, excess uh, production affecting that. So it has had a roll on effect for 23 and, and 24 and 25 and 26 even. Um, but make no mistake, the deficit is still there. I've taken quite a hard view on inventories as in very little build and still coming out with those numbers. So um, the bottom line is for all that's said and done, upstream investment is still a limiting factor. We know incumbents are pushing brownfields and, and those are obviously important. But um, uh, what we're also seeing is that incumbents are controlling uh, spodium and supply. And uh, you've seen Albemarle now utilize more tolling you see Minerys utilized tolling. Pilbara is talking about a midstream product. So less and less quality spodumin that's being produced, mostly in Australia, is finding its way to China. It's dropping off. It's now being earmarked for internal uh, vertical integration by the incumbents, or they're looking at Europe, possibly the US and elsewhere. So um, that also puts some control over it because what you tend to find is high balance big balance sheet companies like albemarle and others can carry a bit of inventory the chinese non-integrated producers don't they tend to take the material in produce and sell it so that comes with its own issues so what are the trends that support the structural thesis for continuing is, as I mentioned, uh, an increasing amount of the new spodumin is being controlled by the producers. Albemarle and, and uh, Minerys have agreed Wajina material is going to go in-house. They're not selling the spodumin to third parties. You're seeing, uh, you're seeing more examples of that. Um, the IRA heavily incentivizes conversion in the US. You've seen Tesla kick off now with Corpus Christi. I'm sure there are others. Piedmont has... Um, uh, a planned plant in um, in Tennessee. You know, whether we'll see uh, mine and converter in the same place in the US, I don't know, but there's certainly a lot of brownfield sites and uh, right-to-work states that are keen to take converter, uh, chemical converters on. The mining side, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, conversion capacity outside of China is growing. You've seen Albemarle commit to additional trains at Kemerton. Uh, and they will need to look to source feedstock, all of these projects, again, competing. Permitting construction and a ramp up of battery grade chemicals will take longer outside of China because there's less experience, there, there are more controls in place. So um, 
that will slow supply growth. China's access to feed, quality feedstock is slowing. Processing, you know, DSO and lipidolite, etc., has limitations given the high waste to all ratio uh, and waste on uh, chemical production out of lipidolite. So there will be um, costs, ESG limitations on that. The volatile equity markets like we've seen recently has meant we've seen a slowdown in equity raises from uh, up and coming companies, which again, pushing those projects out, we're likely to see delays. And if we look from the clients that we have and across the supply chain that we speak to, incumbents are actively looking to secure tier one projects, and then they'll be able to control the available supply of both podumin and chemicals. So we're definitely seeing a shift in the balance of power, uh, and that is helpful to the structural deficit because as I say again, Western companies with big balance sheets will moderate what they produce and sell given market pricing. Jumping in here from the editing room to tell you more about our very first sponsor, Zolandes. Zolandes provides services in subsurface data visualization, downhole geophysics, and DLE, direct lithium extraction. No matter where you sit in the lithium brine industry, Zolandes can help you speed up and improve your projects. Go to zolandes.com for more. So just a little reality check. I always see the numbers on how big resources in the world there are, and I've combined some, but there are a total of 14 dual compliant resources in Oz for all of the talk of the millions of tons. That's all that's out there. The ones on the left are in production, so they're, they're not to be developed. You've got uh, Mount Holland and Kathleen Valley, uh, the SQM and West Farmers, JV and, uh, and Liontown under construction. And then you have three resources, uh, jork resources. Yes, people are drilling. Yes, there will be more, but they're still not at jork level. Uh, you look at uh, the MANA project and Global Lithium, the, the first one on the, on the right-hand side, that already has Minres and others on its register. You look at the far right, uh, that is uh, um, essential metals. Minres bought in and blocked IGO and Tanshi's deal. And the middle one is um, Red Dirt, I think it's called Delta now. That also has uh, the Hancock family and Minres looking at it. So literally everything is almost in play. But that's all that's coming on is those two new ones. And then the three little ones, and we would wait to see what we can drill. So that in conjunction with... Um, what you've seen uh, in Canada, it's a phenomenal uh, district. As uh, Alex mentioned, we think there's a lot of potential. It's underexplored for lithium, but make no mistake, the timelines to permit, construct and build, will. you need to be realistic about those. And there's nothing in the near term horizon other than a couple of plays. And then lastly, what's going on in, in, in Chile, you can decide for yourself. In my opinion, a heavy hand from state in anything at the ground level is never a good thing. We shall see how that plays out. It looks like Boric might be in trouble, so maybe those policies will go away. But are Albemarle and SQM and others going to heavily invest if they don't know they've got a 20-year deal in place? So that's the reality check from the supply side. Uh, I'm afraid this writing might be a little small, but... Um, it's some analysis I've done on the Chinese battery 
industry in Q1. If you have a look on the left-hand side down the bottom, how much has been produced in Q1 versus on the right-hand side, how much has been sold and the year-on-year -year growth plus the exports. You're seeing sales and exports growing a lot higher than production, which is good news. We're seeing some inventory clear. Um, uh, in uh, a survey done by ICC Sino, spoke to all the big uh, producers and they said um, they were going to up production in May by 20 to 30 percent and some of the smaller ones by 50 percent. So we're starting to see some good signs in the Chinese battery industry uh, and the same for cathode. So uh, that is an encouraging sign. But you can see if you look at 2022 and you look down at the final numbers, which came out after I produced, that was where we saw a massive amount of production and a drawdown uh, and a cleaning out of, of um, you know, of, uh, of building, uh, building up an inventory of battery cells, which we're now starting to work our way through. Again, touching on what I spoke about earlier, this is Tesla, this is Lathrop, this is what they're ramping up. In 2022, for the entire year, they did six and a half gigawatt hours of, uh, of energy storage. Lathrop is a 40 gigawatt hour plant on its own. It is ramping to 10 gigawatt hours per quarter, and I think we'll see that before year end. And then they are going to construct another 40 gigawatt hour plant in Shanghai. So by the middle of next year, Tesla's uh, BSS uh, capacity will be 80 gigawatt hours versus six and a half last year. So that just gives you a sense. My numbers are fairly bullish, um, but I see Svolt came out on their announcements. Uh, they make, they're making a bigger format prismatic cell for for energy storage, they're projecting 384 gigawatt hours deployed in 2025 versus 1,200 for EVs. So take note of this. This sector is growing faster than the EV sector. It mostly uses LFP. You will hear talk about sodium iron. Yes, it may come in, but the latest cells that are being developed by the, the top-end uh, Chinese producers um, are getting up to 12,000 cycles versus uh, 6,000 for uh, sodium iron. So there will be some competition and cost to life cycle trade-off. So this is something to definitely keep an eye on. It does explain away some of the battery cell production last year in China because a lot of analysts are underestimating this. This year, again, as I say, watch our row motion interview. They keep a close eye on it. They're talking 140 to 150 gigawatt hours deployed, and that is meaningful and makes up quite a big gap. Globally, if you have a look, there's 300 gigawatt hours of operational and near-term plan capacity, and I think that's going to continue because you are having government policy in China where they are forced in certain areas to have battery backup with renewables. And uh, the U.S. market are growing as well. And we're likely to see that given how much of new energy is renewables. Energy storage, definitely to watch. If you look at um, global battery electric vehicle sales on a, on a total, on, including plug-in BYDs, the biggest. But um, 
If you, are, if you look at it, EV sales are being dominated by BYD and Tesla. They're going to have almost a 40% share if you include plug-in hybrids this year. Um, VW, BMW and Ford are far behind. And there are questions about profitability. I don't know if you've seen the latest numbers. I think Lucid, they said it basically it costs them half a million dollars to make a $120,000 car. So how long does that last? Um, and uh, you know, Tesla is looking in terms of lowering its uh, asking selling price, but they plan to make their money on, on full self-driving and other tech and add-ons to sustain profitability uh, as they bring in what's likely to be a Model 2 coming soon. So the question is how will the other OEMs stay profitable as they scale out and they don't have things like FSD and they aren't making money now. So that's going uh, to be tricky. We saw Ford's numbers. I'd go and have a look at those. There will be operational efficiencies, but it's going to be competitive. Um, so we, again, that's my final point, is something to, to think about. It, it, it raises some concerns for me is, the mass market is in the ten to forty thousand uh, dollar price range, and who is going to make those profitably? You've already got BYD with the latest Seagull coming in at eleven thousand dollars. It's a pretty impressive car. There are no offerings even close to that. So, what is the way forward for the Western OEMs? That's still to be determined. Now I'll just have a quick look at the economics of lithium for those that think that the price is going to keep going down, although we're seeing even perennial bears come out and, and start to now upgrade. If you look at where spodumin concentrate prices are at $4,000 a ton, and you need on a lower grade 7.5 tons of spodumin to make a ton of, of uh, carbonate, and you've got uh, you know, transport, conversion costs, sustaining capex, etc. Your total cost XVAT, if you use spodumin concentrate, is about $35,000 a ton. If you add VAT back on, which is how it sells in China, you're talking almost $40,000 a ton, $275,000 remnimbi. So as demand for carbonate picks up and uh, the marginal producer has to use spodumin concentrate because there aren't other sources available, then prices are going to need to rise to around $40,000 or higher just to break even for the non-integrated converters. So we are seeing demand pick up. So my call is, we've seen the price already move. My call is possibly a little higher than 275. I think we're due to hit 300,000 remnimbi in the next three months would be my, my view, up from a low, I think, of around 170, 180, but we're already at about 220, 225. So, as I say, if, if demand picks up that spodumin is needed, the math doesn't work otherwise. So, my, my conclusion, EV sales for 2023 are on track. BYD and Tesla are dominating nearly 40% share. Energy storage, 100% long-term, higher than EVs, something to focus on. The 2022 final supply shortfall was greater than my forecast. This higher price 
triggered, uh, you know, sodium ion, DSO, lipidolite, everything came out the woodwork. It was, you know, $85,000 or whatever it was, was unsustainable. The biosubsidy withdrawals, EV biosubsidy in China has brought about, uh, you know, brought demand forward for some EVs into 22 in China and uh, caused the inventory build as um, we saw excess production. China is transitioning to the 6B emission standard from the middle of this year. And that's meant that all the cars that don't qualify under 6B, they've tried to sell now, which has meant that uh, they've pushed a lot of ice into the market and discounting, which would have had a, some subdued effect on, um, on EVs, but we see it running. Carbonate, if it needs, if a non-integrated producer needs spodumin, I've given you my view on the price. And then uh, longer term, if you look at OEMs and you look at their financials and how they're doing when it comes to EVs, they need to lock in battery raw material supply and price, I think, to, to ensure survival when, when we scale EV production and go into the mid-price market segment. I don't think they can risk it, so we'll see. We've seen some deals done. I think there's a lot more to go. Um, and uh, that's going to mean a lot more corporate activity uh, in the sector. Thanks very much.